This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. Today, I am joined by Tim LeVan Miller. Tim is an accountant by day and a musician by night. Or maybe, I don't know if it works that way, day and night divide, but I like to think of it that way. Not only that, Tim actually, uh, he is my accountant. He he does uh, the books. He does a lot of work for us at Praxis. And uh, accounting is not his first love though. And I got to be honest, Tim, I don't know how I feel about knowing that the guy that's doing a lot of our, um, you know, CFO work isn't passionate about using the 10 key to crunch numbers. Well, should I, I guess should I, I want to be say, worried? No, no. I mean, I, if you're happy with the results, <laughs> not, you know, not then, but very no, happy. I very happy. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, it's not that I'm, I'm not passionate about accounting. I guess I've, I've never really had, I guess it's hard for me to say like, passion with accounting that's it's like a weird thing to say when it's been music my whole life yeah yeah Um, so well let's let's get into that so that was you know sort of the setup and and the reason that I really find this fascinating and I'm really interested in in where this conversation goes is one of the themes we talk about a lot on this show is trying to optimize your life and really trying to discover what it is that makes you come alive, what it is that makes you feel fulfilled and, and live a life of, of meaning, a life that you enjoy where you're not bored. And it's so different for different people. Some people feel like the only way to do that is to marry the things that they enjoy with the things that make them money to eat. And others feel like connecting earnings to the things that they love would make them not earn enough money or end up hating what they love because they have to sell out. And it's kind of different across the board. And we've talked with a musician, Lucas Jack, uh, on an earlier episode, who's kind of like, I'm going all in, I'm quitting my job, I'm doing music as a way to try to earn money. And I really like that you have, at least seemingly, a very different approach. You're you're doing something very practical to pay the bills, accounting, and you're doing it well, and you obviously don't hate it. But what you really love, that's really to enable you to do music. Is that an accurate way to describe it? That's yeah, it's definitely accurate. It's not not saying that I didn't at one point quit my job just to solely do music because I did do that. But after about six months of that, realized that was just not going to work that way for me. You were hungry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was like peanut butter and ramen and mixing the two together. Just like it was starting to make me, you know, (laughs) question everything. Um, Well, let's let's get your story. Let's get your background. I mean, kind of from from the beginning, where where did you grow up and when did you you know, which came first, your love for music or your or your sort of practical? Let's go get an accounting degree. Give me give me the backstory. Well, I'm from central Nebraska, um, right, right off I-80 in the center of the state, small town. Um, Don't I think I've always been a practical person. So I think that's why this plays like why the accounting and music play so well together for me. Um, music's, I didn't even know what accounting was until college. Um, so definitely did not have an understanding of that's something I want to do as a kid. It was always music, always writing. Um, so from a very young age, you, you've loved music very much. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was never focused on being an accountant or being in business really. It was more just discovering my love for music. And then as soon as I started 
writing music, writing fiction, everything just kind of exploded that way. And um, then getting into college is when I started, actually started as a music major at a very conservatory style program for music. Um, and after my first semester, just realized that this was not going to work. <laughs> was, so, so talk about that realization. I mean, what what brought that about and not going to work in what way? What, what sort of made you decide to not, to not focus on music as a kind of, uh, sort of official credentialed or professional endeavor? Sure. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the brass tacks of it is that I just hated music while I was a music major and I just, I got into it. I mean, I, my background in music, I had piano lessons from a young age, did high school band, played trombone through that, but rock and roll, guitar, bass, you know, the guitar, bass, drums, doing that, writing my own music, not following any rules, doing that whole sort of thing is what I was truly passionate about. The creation side of it, yeah. not, you know, I got into it and it was all studying, you know, they were training us classically. And I mean, I was in a field with so many phenomenal musicians and with, when you're up against that, you know, your options are to teach, to perform if you're going to, you know, be in that top percentage. And I knew those were two things I did not want to do on a classical level. So, I mean, did you have this dream? Like you wanted to be a rock star on like a big stage, be famous, or was it always more, you just want to play music? I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think every kid dreams of being a rock star, but I don't, I don't ever really think that that, that was never a driving force for me. It was, there was just something in me that whenever I was doing it, um, it just, I've, I've never felt more like driven to really create on that level. So what it, so let's quickly kind of, um, give me a flavor for what instruments do you play? Uh, what style of music do you do? Sort of where are you at right now? And you can go to timlevanmiller.com to check out Tim's, uh, performance schedule, some of his, um, you know, some of his music that he has there. We're going to play some at the end of the show, but if you could summarize for me, for somebody who's new to your music, what do you play? What do you sing? And what is your style? Well, I, I'm right now a singer songwriter, primarily just playing guitar. Um, if I'm performing, I originally am a bass player and played bass for many years with many different bands, both on stage in the studio. And the last couple years have really primarily focused myself on guitar, trying to, you know, improve my chops there. Um, just because when you're out performing by yourself, that's just the best thing to do. And when I'm with a band writing my own music, I experimented playing bass and hiring the guitar players and it just, it wasn't as comfortable for me. So I just stuck that way. Um, my style is definitely a very indie rock sort of genre, but I have definite hints of blues and Americana spread throughout most of my writing. You're um, writing from the, so I, I listened to the, the album that you shared with me and some stuff from your website. It definitely has a, um, it has a quality that is common in country music. And I don't like country music personally, at least like sort of the modern incantation, but the quality that is, I've always liked about it, which actually hip hop has as well. It's, it's a storytelling quality. Oh yeah. I feel definitely. like your songs are very much, they're, they're stories about people. There's, there's a very, uh, a very much of a storytelling element in there. Would you say that's, that's definitely a part of your writing? 
that is a huge part of my writing. Okay, I, I got it right. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> I don't want I, you to be like, how dare you? I hate storytelling musicians. <laughs> no, I, I write a lot of fiction as well. And so the two really go hand in hand. In fact, I have several songs that are either inspired by or have inspired short stories or flash fiction. Um, it's, you know, really creating characters, diving into the creativity that way, um, trying to create empathy through characters. And when, when I put that to music, create melodies and then start intertwining everything else in that, everything just comes alive. So, you know, you hear often with writing that write about what you know, and you know, I'm curious in, in stories, you know, if you're going to write a, a fiction story with several different characters, you know, you're, you're not, obviously not all the characters are some reflection of you. They might be people, you know, or, or things like that. But I think there's, there's kind of an assumption, at least maybe I have it often that in songwriting, the people are usually writing about themselves. Um, is that true? Or are you able to sort of put yourself in the shoes of a, of a completely different character or, a, or of somebody with a completely different personality and write about experiences that you yourself haven't been through, but write, write about them in a way that maybe someone writing fiction about multiple characters could do. I, I think there's a definite base for writing about what you know in anything, even if you can take the most crazy scenario scene and characters and create this story, um, create all the support for it, the scenes, I really think you're still pulling from something personal, whether that be um, characteristics of somebody you know. May not, may not, You may not be creating a character based on somebody, but it may be those characteristics of this type of person or the scene, you know, you've seen this play out somehow and you're, you, you kind of take those little ounces of information and then really dive into that and try to unwrap that and present, you know, a new image, um, that you're trying to show. Hmm. Um, I want to jump back to, to your early sort of musical endeavors. Why bass? What, what made you pick up the bass first? Um, well, I had a couple friends in high school and they had started a rock band and needed a bass player. So. <laughs> Everyone needs a bass yep. player. <laughs> drummer, drummer had a, had an extra bass sitting around. So I picked it up and you know, really focused on that for probably 12 years, maybe until so, I, so would you say that's still your first love? Like if I said, what's your favorite instrument to play? Uh, would it be bass still? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think I've, I've spent so much time working on my songwriting that whenever I pick up a guitar, especially an acoustic guitar, it just, it feels right. And it feels like you can, you can really bring something out of it. The thing I always hated about being just a bass player because that's what so many people knew me as is it's hard to just sit in your room and play bass by yourself yes there's not you know you're all you got to either play with the drummer or people or you know play to a recording guitar is it speaks on its own and you can kind of have a conversation with it you know it's interesting i uh totally totally amateur musician singer you know guitar mostly and played with played with some different bands and things and in and probably two three years ago for the first time ever um i picked up bass to just play a little bit because we we needed some somebody to play bass our bass player was gone and so i was like oh i, I i'll try to learn the basics here 
And I actually found that I really loved it, but there was something really surprising that I found with bass because I really enjoy singing and I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy singing harmonies. And I found that playing bass actually helped my ear to find harmonies a lot like that. I really did not expect. I never would have, I never would have thought that, um, to be the case, but I don't know. Is that, is that just me being crazy or do you no, think I, that, is that, is that a common thing? I think that's very, very common. I mean, bass is always structured. You're, you're kind of structured around the root of the chord, whatever you're playing, but the bass gets noticed when you start using those melodic notes and harmonic notes around the chord structure. So that's kind of where, you know, you're trying to hear where can I go with this either rhythm or note. And those are, that's kind of where you're leading. So I, I feel like that's definitely true. Oh, good. That, that makes me feel like my discovery has some grounding in, in reality. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to get back to your Back to your story. So you're in school, you realize you don't like this classical music education. It still seems like kind of a strange transition to decide, I guess I'll study accounting. What was, what was that yeah. decision like? It's totally strange. And, and <laughs> accounting was, was not on purpose either. I totally just fell into accounting. I, I was at a small liberal arts school and wanted, they had this entrepreneurship class because I was, I figured if I'm not going to do music, I, I would love to just run a business or do something to where I, I'm still not sure I'm really ingrained to just getting a day job and doing that. I just, I needed something else. And, when, and this is when I had just quit music. I was like, I can't do this. So I went to go sign up for this entrepreneurship class and they told me I had to take accounting 101 before I could get in there. So I was like, all right, whatever. Um, I'll take that and actually kind of enjoyed it surprisingly, and ended up picking up an accounting and finance major um, at that point. And, and, and at that point, I realized this is something that I could graduate, get a job that could give me enough stability to where I can really just go out and focus on my music still. So were you uh, throughout college as you're getting your, your business and accounting degree or finance and accounting degree, were you gigging and playing, you know, playing the the scene, playing shows at whatever clubs, coffee shops and things like that? I definitely was um, kind of through the first half of college, um, pretty heavily with a couple different bands. And then toward the latter half, I focused more on the school just because I knew I had to. It was more of a game. Could I get through school, get good grades and graduate so that I could I, I knew the life of my music was going to depend on me being able to make money somehow. And I didn't want to work back at a fast food joint again and, and do that sort of thing. And, um, so I focused on the studies the last kind of year and a half. And then as soon as about uh, last semester before I graduated, um, met up with some people and really focused hard on music after that and being a bass player for a band so when you graduated, what year was it when you graduated? 2008. Okay. So what came next? Was it like, all right, I'm out in the job market. Uh, I'll put this music thing on hold until I find a job. Or was it, what, what was the sort of uh, the immediate post-graduation path? Well, I graduated in December and that, I think it was that October before I had landed um, a, a job at a mid-sized public accounting firm in Lincoln, Nebraska. And 
I was like, all right, I got a job. Had no idea really what tax season was. Did not do any sort of internship. <laughs> school. Big surprise on the way. Yeah. I was just like, if I can graduate with good grades, get out, get a job, I'll be fine. You know, something that's just going to help me stay alive. So got this job pretty much started January 2nd into tax season. And meanwhile, was still very, very involved with the music. Um, and got into the job, you know, mid-sized public accounting firm, pressure on to get your CPA, you know, work as many hours as possible. And at first, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm getting a paycheck. This is pretty cool. But within the first month, I would say I really started questioning what I was doing. What, what, okay. For people who don't know, what is tax season like working at a place like that? Um, it's just a grind. You come in early, do a bunch of work and leave late and it's Monday through Saturday expectation. Everybody's trying to beat each other in the door and stay as late as they can. So I mean, and this was my experience and this is me coming from a musician background to where we create, we don't have those rules. I just kind of do what I want. And And, and the kind of work you're doing is basically tax returns. Oh yeah. hundred percent tax returns for individuals or companies. All, all of the above. Okay. Okay. So, and so it was just like, it was just a, a, a sort of an eyes glazed over grind for a yeah. while. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and it's something that, you know, I went in with two other people my age and you're either going to excel or you're going to figure out something different. And I definitely realized very quickly that I was going to figure out something different. So, so how long did that last and, and what was your exit plan? Um, I stayed there a year and a half, did two tax seasons, um, I think it was right after or during my second tax season, I ended up buying a 47 foot bus with a buddy of mine who I was playing music with and was like, like I, I'm supposed to be studying for the CPA exam, but we have a bus to make over so that we can tour. <laughs> and this, this is kind of what I'm going to do. And that I, I, I ima- I'm imagining this like Jekyll and Hyde. There's like the artist and the accountant, you know, in you. Like you should be doing tax returns. No, you should be driving around in a 47 foot bus. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's so true. There was, I mean, it was definitely an internal e- evil be- or an internal conflict because trying. It was my first real job post college, and and it comes with some. Your family's proud of you. It's prestigious. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, people start to question your sanity if you walk away from that and buy a bus. I imagine. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it's people. I mean, I'm sure my family was just kind of wondering what I was doing. I mean, they they were always a hundred percent supportive, but you know, it's it's also I'm sure seeing them seeing me go through school, get a job, and then just probably throw it all away. So, so you quit, you quit the job. I, I quit a job. I quit the job and moved to Philadelphia. Um, Why Philadelphia? Well, I was hanging out with a buddy and we just decided that was going to be the place to go. And he and I were playing music together. He was a singer songwriter. I was his bass player. Um, we had bought the bus together and we just, neither of us wanted to be in the Midwest at the time and saw greener pastures on the East coast. So figured we'd check it out. What what came of the bus? We we kept it. We um, did you drive it out to Philly, Philly in it? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, give it, give us a description of what this bus was like. You know, what was the inside like? And you were you're putting a lot of miles on this thing. What what was oh, that like touring across in an old bus? It. I mean, it was it was an experience. It was 
it was yellow when we bought it. The inside, so the guy like we bought bus. it from. It was, oh yeah, it was an old 1987 school bus, which always um, looked like the most unsafe and like ancient things on the road. You yeah, know? <laughs> has has the huge dog nose on the front. Um, we, the inside was gutted, had some bunks that had been started. Um, all the windows were taken out and had kind of the long limo windows put in. But we we completely overhauled it. Um, put down like a laminate floor and carpet and. Um, had a futon in the front, little hangout area, TV, PlayStation, um, bunks, and then storage area. This sounds this sounds amazing. So, did you just live off of savings while you were touring? Um, yeah. So, quit my job. I I knew I was going to move. You know, probably about six months before I quit my job, and we decided we were going to do this. I, I knew I had to, okay, just buckle down, save everything I can from each paycheck because I want to move. I want to quit my job. I just want to play music for a while. Um, I was also super naive at the fact that I really had no idea what that meant, um, getting into Philly and actually doing that. Hmm. Um, but learned, cause I, I also learned through that experience that I did not want to be a working musician in the fact to where you're, dependent upon playing shows maybe three or four times a week, you know, probably 10 to 2, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. sort of, you know, schedule, most likely playing covers 90% of the time. Um, I knew that was not something I wanted to do either. You know, so. it's, it's such an interesting tension. I think a lot of people who want to be creators or uh, musicians or artists of some kind, or maybe they are sort of secretly on the side and they have this sense of, if only I could do that for a living and get paid to do that every night, man, my life would be made. And I think sometimes, that may, may be true for some people, but sometimes you realize that, you know, working for the man, if you don't like that, um, why would you want to do that to your art? Why would you want to turn your art into that? And and there's a, there's a, a tremendous, you know, uh, sort of entry level at least where, you're really just grinding to do what's needed uh, to to play cover songs in the lounge of some <laughs> of some bar. And if you love that, that's great. But I think a lot of people don't realize that like it it's not as fun as maybe you no, imagine. It's it's a very tough life, and you know it's it's hard to have any sort of stability with that kind of life um, unless you have you know, unless you're on some sort of, you know, cruise boat schedule or something to where you have regular shows earning X amount of dollars. But, um, when you're hustling to, you know, get gigs at, you know, bars, you're dealing with bar owners who, you know, music's probably the last thing they really care about. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they want you there, but you know, they, there's also like a quality level that goes along with, you know, what they care about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I imagine for someone like you who really loves the songwriting, there's probably a tension oh. there because the, the typical bar audience doesn't, they want to hear something they can sing to, right? Yeah. No, it's for sure. If somebody comes up and gives you $20, I mean, one of my good friends who's a drummer always said this, if somebody comes up and gives you 20 bucks and says, play this song, you kind of got to do it. <laughs> so. so, so how long did you do that in Philly? And, and were you able to make enough to live on? 
Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> I, I did it for about six months until I started shopping around for another job. Um, something, but I, so I, I pretty much tried out both extremes and was like, I need to get a taste of what each of these types of lives are like, and then pull what I want from each of them and, mm. and start to create my own. So the corporate so that, grind versus the starving artist. And yeah. you didn't, and you didn't like either of those archetypes. You wanted to build something unique. Yes, very much. Um, and so I went and at, at the time I was just trying to find anything because I knew within a couple months I'd be, you know, scraping for rent money. Um, but something that I, my ideal job was something, you know, 30 to 40 hours a week, no sort of tax season grind that I had experienced before um, to where I can work, like you had said earlier, kind of daytime hours and in the evening weekends do, you know, play music. And what was the, what was the first job you got after, um, that six months of, of playing music? It was, it was back with a small, a very small accounting firm. Um, we primarily did, they still had a tax season, but I made it very apparent that I did not want to do that in the interview. And for some reason they still hired me. Hmm. Um, I, I went on, I think for about 25 to 30 hours with them and it was just enough to where I could survive. I could get what I needed and, um, start to figure out what was next. And so currently you work at, uh, Ceteris and we've had, uh, so, so Ceteris is a company run by my brother who's been on this podcast before and they provide, kind of accounting and, and back office services to uh, small businesses and, and franchises and things like that. And so now you work, you work there. And I remember this is interesting talking to my brother about different types of employees. And he said, he said, you know, there seems like there's two types of employees that do really, really well. There are those who they want to dedicate their whole life to this kind of work. And they're here to learn and like, you know, move up and, and help build this. And this is what they live in and eat and breathe and sleep. And there's hardly anybody that fits that category, but every once in a while you'll find some, the second kind are the ones who know from the get go, this is not what my passion is in life. I want to, to do what I need to do to be a great employee so that it gives me the freedom to do other things. And he said, you know, most people are in the middle and don't have that level of honesty. They tell themselves, Oh, I want to be dedicated to this company. This is, this, this is my favorite thing in the world. And really they don't, but they don't, they haven't figured that out yet. And you have this sort of honesty where you're like, look, I'm going to do my work and I'm going to do it well. Um, but I don't want to work 70 hours during tax season because that's not what I'm here for. Uh, you have sort of your boundaries coming in and, and I don't know, is that, was that something that was hard for you to, to learn how to do? Was it scary to go to a company and say, Hey, look, um, you know, I want to work for you. I'll do good work, but, uh, I'm not going to try to come in earlier each day to prove myself. Oh, it was, it was so hard. And I, when you're going in, especially a very small business that has, you know, an, uh, an owner who is also doing a lot of the work himself or herself, it's very, they want you to be there all the time. And usually, I, I mean, I can't, I can't say that for everybody because working at Ceteris has been a dream, um, working, you know, everybody wants everybody else to succeed in what you know, and do the best work that they can in whatever aspect of the life, their life, you know, they're striving to do. Um, but going into a small business to where they may have a high turnover rate, especially a small 
tax accounting firm to where, you know, you're essentially competing with people like H&R Block. How many people can you get in the door? Um, you, you might be doing a small amount of back. You, were, you weren't spinning a sign wearing a Statue of Liberty costume. No, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was not the position. They're although, like, hey, the, take that guitar and sit outside and play a song about tax returns. <laughs> yeah, although at the time I would have totally done that or <laughs> something, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is hard, especially, you know, when you're in your early to mid twenties, you know, you, and you've been through the traditional college, you know, institutional education, learning, trying to tell somebody, you know, you're, you're going to interview for a job. They have multiple candidates, but you want to try to stay true to yourself and put your passions out there too. I think the hardest thing is, it's not the hardest thing. The best thing is if you can get in the door and prove yourself and prove that you're going to do an excellent job. But then when you turn off the light at night, you know, you're out, you're doing your other stuff, but you're going to be back there tomorrow, you know, proving that you're reliable, you do great work. Um, once you get those things, then it it's usually a breeze. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I found, you know, I've worked with so many different people over the years. And I've always found really refreshing the people who, you know, like they're, this is what they're, they're they want to, they want to meet all the criteria, meet and, and exceed the expectations, the things that are required of them, do their work well, but you know, and they're very upfront about, this is not my life. I'm here to do this. This is the other thing that I really love. And that's my passion. And when you have that, when you know that, and they're, they're not trying to like, you get, you get a lot of employees who are, who they want everyone to believe that they are only thinking and eating and breathing and sleeping the company, but you know, that's not true. And so it's this weird, yeah. like posturing and signaling. And I think the ones that are really upfront about it, like, look, this is the schedule that I've negotiated. This is when I'm in, when I'm out. Um, you know, if, if my work is not up to par, you can fire me, but if it is, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is my thing. And there's just something really refreshing about that level of, of self-knowledge. Um, okay. So, so, so now you're at a place where you're working, you've got a good, a good schedule that lets you kind of work, um, you know, hours that, that you're comfortable with. How do you fit in? How do you prioritize? Like how many hours would you say you spend a week on music? And what is that? What, what are you spending it on writing? Are you recording? Are you performing shows? What does that look like? Yeah, it's, it has it constantly changes. I'm, I'm kind of a cyclical person with my music and writing. Um, I'll go through a phase for where for nine months, I'm just solely focused on booking shows, lining up band members for those shows. And that, and that's how I had was for the first part of this year. Now I'm kind of moving over to where, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find other opportunities within music, um, you know, focus more on my writing, start, um, and, um, doing, you know, just looking for more opportunities. Cause it comes to a point where you, where I start to do one thing over and over and over booking, trying to book, trying to book, trying to book. And I just get sick and tired of it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm trying to find a balance to where, you know, you do a little bit of everything, um, throughout the year. And so, pro I mean, I probably spend, 20 to 30 hours out on my own doing some sort of thing within music, writing, um, performing, you know, within that, that area. Mm. It's, it's something that I just constantly 
live. And so I don't really, you know, if I come home from work and I pick up my guitar and then it's two hours later, I realize I've just been sitting there, you know, running through songs, trying to think of what I want to work on, um, working on my chops or I'll sit and just, I'll have a song that I'm focused on working. Maybe I've, I've got the first little idea of what it's going to be, but you're really just trying to feel it out, um, and get into it. So I don't, I definitely don't have a set schedule of, Hey, Monday I do this Tuesday. I do this. Um, and that's probably something I should probably work on, um, as I develop what, what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Well, so do you ever have motivational problems? Because, because I can see, you know, when you, when you have to, let's say if you didn't have an income elsewhere and you were forced to, I've got to book gigs. I've got to be getting my chops better because I have to do it to earn a living. Okay. There's great motivation. Now, as we talked about before, um, that can keep you from things like writing new material and whatever. But, but now that you don't need it, now that you don't need to do music in any way, you don't need to book another show next weekend, uh, or get another download on your website in order to survive. Is it hard for you? Do you, do the, does it ever tempting to just sort of take your foot off the gas pedal and kind of get lazy with it? What, what do you do to stay motivated to keep pursuing music? There's, I definitely get lazy when it comes to the booking side of things. Um, it's not, that's not the fun job <laughs> for me. It's, it's, you know, you trying to contact people who are not in the habit of really contacting you back right away. It's not <laughs> like being in a business where you're everybody, you know, you each need each other. Well, there is a need, but there's varying degrees of how strong that need if, is. If you email side. me and say there's a discrepancy in your books, yeah, you're going to get I'm right back more, to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas if you email me and say, hey, can I come play a gig at your bar? Here's a bunch of my stuff. You know, it's it's going, it's moving down on my priority list because it's just not, it's not urgent. Yeah, yeah. And and also at the same time, those bars are probably getting dozens, if not hundreds of emails a week um, from local regional acts coming so, so through. So you can be like, hey, it's your accountant here. I'd like to talk to you about your books. Um, <laughs> how about you have me come play a show and then we can talk about it? You know, that's an, that's an excellent campaign there. I <laughs> may have to work something up on that. Almost kind of scare them into replying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. So so do you like, what, what motivates you to keep booking? Do you really love playing live? Um, it's Playing live is a lot of fun. It's something that I have grown into. When I first started, I never, I always loved playing bass behind somebody. I'm, I was a great number two man. I was, you know, great at booking when it was somebody else's name. As soon as you start, and, and I had this problem as soon as I started really focusing on my own music and putting that as number one for me, um, getting up on stage, it, it took me quite a while to really be completely comfortable. And it's still, you know, you still get the adrenaline rush right before you go up that, you know, it's the nerves and everything, um, kind of the stage fright, but you learn how to deal with that and you learn how to, you know, use that as almost a secret weapon to, you know, improve your stage performance. But performing has, it's never been the staple for me. Um, the, the creating, the writing is really what moves me and gets me going, um, along with the recording. So I'll spend hours at home working on songs and I'll have, you know, 10 songs that have been started 
another 10 that are finished, but I'm trying to figure out instrumentation and three of those I am currently recording and working on to try to, you know, cement the sounds I hear in my head onto, you know, some sort of device that somebody's going to listen to. Are you an introvert? Definitely. I mean, yeah. That's so interesting because there's, there's many people who one of the things that gets them so into music is the high that they get from, and, I, and I'm like this, I'm an extrovert. So if I go and give a talk somewhere, I really, I get a high from getting in front of that crowd and like getting started. And, and the same with music for me. That's one of the things I love the most about it is, you know, like I would much rather be with lights on a stage with a whole bunch of people than just playing with a bunch of friends. Cause there's something about that that gives me a high. Um, but it sounds like for you, that's not part of where the fulfillment comes from so much. It, that's something that you had to kind of get, get more comfortable with. Or, or do you? Do you get a high from being on stage, being in front, being the front man, but you just, is it mixed with nerves as well? I, I, there's definitely a high. It's that adrenaline rush. You're not going to sleep that night after you get done performing. Um, you know, it's just that it's, it's a great feeling and I love it. But I, I love trying, I love more trying to bring something new into this world, something new that I can share with people. Um, something that's really going to push me to, you know, to different levels, something that I can, and can listen back to later and just be like, Holy crap, this is, this is cool. Like, I think that's the biggest motivator for me is trying to create music that, you know, next week or five years from now, I still really want to listen to and not, not, but it's trying to, find those sounds that really, you know, excite my ear and excite kind of the inner passion of music. So, so if I said, I'm going to take one thing away from you, you can, you can perform on the highest level, be a superstar in front of as many people as you want to. Um, but it's gotta be all existing stuff or you can write new stuff all day long, but you'll never be able to perform it in front of people. Which one would you, would you take? I think I would take the, the writing. Um, I mean, it's probably, you know, there's I mean, a lot I mean, of, I know it's an unfair and sort of a silly question for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't, I think sure, there's, idiot. <laughs> take, I mean, being on stage, I mean, if that's the way it's going to be, you know, you got to look at all the other stuff. I don't know that I want to be on the road for two or three <laughs> years at a time, you know, doing that sort of thing. It's, um, I, again, I, those, that existing material would eventually become cover songs to me. And, I think I would, they'd kind of lose their zest if, if I knew I was never going to create something new so again. Creating is, is, is a bigger motivation than performing. Definitely for you. Definitely, yes. Um, okay. So give me a, are you, are you, would you say you're happy with your current, uh, work life balance? Yes, I definitely am. Do you consider music life or do you consider that work as well? Do you have to take a break from music the same way people would take a break from a job and unwind? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, I, and I noticed this most about a year ago. Um, my wife who's a freelance artist and I went to, um, a little town outside of Asheville, North Carolina for a week. And she was studying under a screen printer up there. And I had a week, we had rented a cabin and I had set up a recording studio and just spent I think it was like six days for about 12 hours a day writing and recording new material. Mm. And by the end of that week, I was about shot, you know, Mm. it was, and, and I think part of it is not 
not having a group of, it's not something that you can go show the world right away. You know, songwriting is something that it, it takes some time and it, especially you want to get it to a certain point to where you're, you know, comfortable with it before you show other people what's going on. And so it's, it's a very internal process that mm-hmm. you're constantly throwing over yourself, um, as you figure it out. You know, it's, what's interesting is, so all of the people I know who are writers, as in uh, whether it's columnists or journalists or authors of books, it's, it seems very common for writers to have a work style that is sort of small amounts every day. So they might write a thousand words every day or write for two hours or four hours every day. Rarely is it more than that. It's like a few hours every day. Whereas I find that, again, I'm talking about a small sample size here and it could be off, but people who write music... Um, it's almost like these giant batches. It's like you'll go for a long time where you're, or maybe that's the recording side. I'm not sure if the writing is, is done differently, but where, you know, you're not doing it. And then you'll have like a couple weeks or a month where you're just like all day long, you're like writing and recording. Is that, do you kind of batch your writing or are you always writing a little bit every day? Um, I, I definitely like to batch the writing and it easily goes hand in hand with recording. So you like Um, getting in that frenzy, like when you were up in Asheville, just like drive yourself to exhaustion until you got nothing left in the tank. Yeah, exactly. But by the same token, like right now I have, you know, I have a handful of songs that are just sitting on a whiteboard. I'm looking at them every day. I'm thinking about them every day, trying to figure out, I know there's something missing. I'm just not quite sure what it is. And every once in a while you'll be messing around or you'll be working on something it's like oh i gotta grab my cell phone gotta record a little voice memo like have this idea or have need to write down this little progression that i think might work once i get to a guitar you know so i'm i have these songs that i'm constantly churning trying to figure out what it is they're missing you know it's interesting it's almost like i could be wrong here but it's almost like with your first accounting job it wasn't the work format that was wrong it was just the type of work because because you've exchanged tax season for writing and recording season you know, yeah. you, you get in that frenzy. <laughs> you, you can't do it all the time, but you have seasons where you're just going, you know, sun up to sundown, cranking oh, away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I was, if I was, you know, in a studio just working 12 to 15 hour days, working on music and stuff for three months out of the year, I would definitely have no problem with that. Um, it's so it's not, it's definitely not the work. It's, it's definitely the work that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, walk me through writing a new song. Just, let's just take one song. What's sort of a typical process start to finish? How long does it take? Where do you get the original idea? Does it start with music? Does it start with lyrics? Kind of walk me through that. Sure. When I start a new song, it, it's always going to start with the music and not even, not even melody or anything like that. Usually, usually it's, it's some interesting either chord progression or interesting chord itself that strikes something in me. And so it's usually while you've got your guitar in hand. Yes. So so it's not just like you're walking around and you hear a note in your head out of the clear blue. No, no. Um, so I might be, be playing songs and then in between working on my chops, I'm just kind of fiddling around. It's like, Oh, this is really something I should investigate. Um, so I'll kind of keep that in the back of my mind. Um, or cause, or usually what happens now, I've learned this the hard way is as soon as I find something new that I like, I pull out my phone and take a video of 
maybe just five, 10 seconds of me playing something, kind of mumbling something over the top, trying to get, you know, some sort of reason for what's happening. Why um, video instead of just audio? Just because that's what's quickest. I just opened my phone. And okay. The, so I was okay. curious if yeah. there's something about <laughs> no. you. Want, I just didn't know if you wanted to see like, you know, your fingering or something. Oh no. Um, yeah. So I, audio would work just as well. Um, and if I'm, you know, and that's another thing, if I have my iPad that has kind of my traveling software, if that's open, I'll just start a new song real quick in GarageBand and um, put something down to where I can explore it later. And, and so, so you've got something down, you've got an idea. How long does it sit there? Do you make yourself say, okay, I've got to get back and finish that. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and do it. Or do you kind of wait until the inspiration comes to, to take it to the next step? When I have something, I definitely try to mess around with it as soon as I find it as much as possible. Um, sometimes it'll go somewhere and I'll have a song in the next 20 minutes. To, mm. You know, the the road, the basic avenue of where I'm going with it. Um, basic lyrics, basic idea. Sometimes it may, I may just be totally stumped, but I know it's either a progression or a chord I want to use. I have to use this somehow. Um or somehow where it's like a chord and something I'm singing just really makes sense to me. So, but it, I, I can't get it past that level. So then I have that recording and I'm going to come back to that. And sometimes I'll just check my phone daily, like every morning or night and just listen back to those recordings. Do, do you uh, like, do you forget sometimes or are you like, you really remember everything you've thought of or sometimes you're like, Oh my gosh, where did I come up with this? I really like this. No, it's, it's completely, I have, I freak myself out because I have no idea how I came up with that or that. And that's, I learned it the hard way because I've lost, you know, you, you, you're working on something, you get up, it's like, oh, I just, I'm going to grab a cup of coffee or something or a glass of water and come yep. back to it. And that 30 seconds it takes you to walk from the room <laughs> to the studio and back, it's, it's, it's gone. No, it's and, the, For me, it's the shower and it's not with songs. It's with, you know, if I have like a blog post or an article or whatever, uh, this great idea. And I'll be like, Oh great. I'm going to be done in a minute. Let me just shampoo my hair, shampoo, rinse my, wait, what was I just <laughs> it's like, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. And there's nowhere I can't write anything down or bring my phone into the shower with me. So yeah, exactly. You need, you need some sort of like voice memo right on the outside of the shower. Yeah, sounds I, just, like. I just need like a Jeeves standing out there and I'd be like, Jeeves, I have another <laughs> idea, you, you know? Um, that, that just, that makes everyone uncomfortable. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so, so when it comes to the lyrics, so you've got, you've got a, a melody, a theme, a, a chord progression you really like, is it hard to find subject matter that fits? Is it like, are you searching around like, Oh, this should be a, you know, song about a broken heart or, Oh, like how was the process of right? Or is it just, you play around with different phrases and you kind of go based on that and let it, and let it lead you into a subject. Yeah, my my lyrics always have I I put a lot of weight on the cadence they take with the music. Everything, you know, the lyrics need to make sense lyrically, but they also need to make sense rhythmically. Um, the words you're using, um, and a lot of times, most recently, I was driving home from work, listening to NPR, and um, something came on talking about a certain subject, and it was a topic it was two words that I really found fascinating. Um, and I was like, I, I can really, it started, my mind just exploded with all these things. And so I came back and was really thinking, trying to write something to put to those two words, but then realized I had this other 
song to where the vibe was a little, it was, the words were a little heavy and edgy. And so what, I had this What were the words? Can you tell us? Frontier justice. Okay. Ooh, I see and, that. That's that, that's just like very like Americana roots rock phrase. Right yeah. There. And I had this piece that I've been working on this song that I love, but I just could not go anywhere with it lyrically. And I just didn't know what was fitting melody, anything. And so then I, so I decided that those two needed to go together, like needed to marry those somehow. But then again, took me probably another few weeks before I could really hammer out how it was all going to fit and what the story was going to be. Um, and so forth. So the lesson in here for you aspiring rock stars is on your commute home from your accounting job, listen to NPR. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's where the re- all that rebellious rock and roll inspiration <laughs> <laughs> will, will come right out of, right from the 10 key to the, to the, I don't know, six strings. Um, yeah. So do you have like, do you have any habits or practices that you have inculcated over the years that helps you in your, uh, in your creating, in your music writing and performing? Um, practice when, when I'm rehearsing, whether it's by myself or with a band and this, this comes into play a lot when I have shows coming up, I always record. I always have you know, Pro Tools open, recording the rehearsal, everything's going through the board so we can hear things clearly, so we can listen back or so I can listen back. I mean, that's that's been like my cardinal rule for everything is always record yourself to listen back because it does sound a little bit different hmm. than what it sounds to you or what you think you're doing. Um, and or how it, it may be some way you're trying to... Um, sing or play a certain chord. And, and so learning that's, that's the best way I can learn about what I'm doing is that way. As far as little rules as for like the day to day, um, I write, I now write everything down. So like there's a whiteboard in my studio that has every song I've written where it is and as far as, is it complete? Is it, you know, work in progress? Um, and then notebooks and notebooks filled with, um, ideas where things need to go. So it's just being in that, I I find if I write stuff down, I'm going to know what I'm working on. I know what I'm going to, I should be working on. Um, and it's not really in a like, Oh, I need to get this done so I can get a product or service out and get paid. It's more for my own self. I have this list of songs. So if I don't write it down, I'm not looking at it every day. Then I, I mean, you're just going to tend to get lazy and forget about it. So are you, how would you say your music is doing right now? So you've got your website. Um, people can people download or, or purchase your music there? Um, they can, they can purchase CDs through the website, um, okay. physical CDs. Otherwise it's on iTunes, um, Amazon, okay. all the major it's on, um, streaming areas. So, so, so with your shows and your website visits and things like that, like where do you feel your music is at? Do you feel like you have a pretty solid fan fan base? Um, n- I would not say I have a solid fan base. Um, I have definitely fans that, you know, if I'm going to play a show, they'll come out, but I haven't really put a lot of, like, do you have goals for that? Or is it more just about what you, you just want to create what you want to create? I think I, I did a year ago and 
I, you know, realizing within this last year that it, it's not necessarily playing, you know, two shows a week or three shows a month, whatever it may be. That's not my goal. Being on the road is not my goal. Um, I just, I love being in the studio. I love being in my studio, working on my own, trying to create, trying to record, figure out sounds. Um, and so moving forward, I'm, I'm finding ways to where I can, um, take what I create and find places for it. So whether that be, you know, sync licensing, um, stuff like that with film and television, hmm. um, trying to find other people I can work with independent filmmakers who are looking for original music for their films, um, trying to build relationships like that to where I can, um, share this music with the world. Hmm. Yeah. That's, it's, it, you realize the, the opportunity to get your music out there, you know, instead of being on a stage with however many people can fit in the bar, putting it on a platform that, you know, every, every additional unit has no marginal cost to you. It's an infinite, you know, growth and distribution. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty powerful. Even, even if you're, you know, doing it on a, on a independent scale, there's something that's got to be pretty exciting about that potential. Oh yeah. And I think that's definitely what I'm, I'm striving for is, you know, I, I love projects. I love working with people who love doing, working on their own art. And so collaborating with people like that. And my wife and I do it all the time as she's an artist, but finding outside people too, who can offer you something that you didn't know anything about. Um, so if, if that is a filmmaker, you know, that's going to bring so much more creativity to what you're, you're working on. Um, cause you're getting so many new, opinions and ideas from an outside creative source. So, uh, you'll have, you can make a, you can make an original song for this podcast. Hey, something I'm trying to think of something really cool, like frontier justice, but that's already taken. We'll we'll come up with something. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, maybe it can work in, uh, accounting somehow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so would you, let's say, let's say some of your musical projects started to take off. Let's say you, you scored some, some, um, you know, original pieces for some filmmakers or something like that. And you started to, to make some money for it. If, if right now you could make enough money doing your music, would you quit, um, your accounting job and go full time at it? It would have to be, I would have to have some sort of understanding of where the music was going, where, the monetary side of things were going. Um, if it's, it's not like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to sell a piece of music, make a chunk of money, quit my job and try to do that. Um, I don't, I know with this business, six months, two years down the line, you're going to be right back to needing some sort of day job Mm -hmm. to keep things going. I, I do not want to push myself into an area to where I'm like, losing my sanity because I'm trying to pump something out for a dollar. Um, I know that does not work for me. Um, do you have any advice for someone who's maybe, you know, 18, 20, 25, uh, or really any age, but who's, who's a musician or an artist and they want to keep creating, but they're kind of, they're kind of struggling to know how to continue to do that. Um, how to make a living at the same time, whether they, whether they need to try to go full time on it, what, whether it means, you know, getting a job, is that selling out? Would you have any thoughts or advice for someone in those, in those shoes? Yeah, I definitely don't think 
you can put any weight on what other people are going to tell you as far as, you know, you, you mentioned the selling out word. I just, I've, I've always had such a problem with that. I, um, I hate the phrase too. I actually yeah. hate the phrase. It's there's nobody has the right to tell you whether you're selling out based on your own personal decision. Um, I, I really think go my, my biggest thing that my mom has always told me was listen to your gut and you know, as you age, I think you get better at listening to that instinctual idea and feeling and, and what you should be doing. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned over the last five years through all these changes, 10 years, um, is, you know, there's, there's a reason your body is telling you something. And if, if you feel like you need to go out and get a job to support your habit, then that's probably something you should do. If, if it's something that you need to spend the next year just fully devoted to writing to explore what you're doing, then you need to do that too. Like I said, I, I mean, I experimented with both extremes hmm. before I could finally figure it, figure it out for myself. It, it is very interesting and it takes such a, such a degree of, of self-knowledge. And, and almost for me, the way I, I sort of think of it is like, okay, I love music. Is music do I enjoy it more when it's a consumption good? And and I even mean the, the creation and playing and, and of, of music or when it's a sort of production good. Am I, am I more happy when I'm doing it just so, for my own pleasure where the music itself, the playing, the writing is is the thing that I want to, to produce and enjoy or when I'm doing it as something to exchange um, with other people? And, you know, at least for me, I'm not, I, just, I just know that I'm not, I mean... I'm not even willing to put in the time to, to, to get good at it. So obviously, so obviously <laughs> it's not at that level, but, but I think that's a really, a really tough question. And I think a lot of people would, would like to be someone who wants to do, uh, you know, their art for a living, but they actually aren't. And it's hard to sort of, it's hard to sort of come to grips with that sometimes. Um, yeah, go ahead. It, it can't. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that it's, I think it's just more like, where do you find the best enjoyment? And I, and I think music, music is something that out of, I really think out of all of the arts when it comes to, you know, writing, um, visual arts, whatever it may be, I think music is something that affects everybody. It's, it's very rare. You find somebody who is not affected by some sort of music, some genre, some band. Um, and so I, I, you know, like you said, it is very hard sometimes to separate, you know, is this, is this something I really love because it's music and it's emotional or is it something that I'm super passionate about and really want to focus my creation mm -hmm. creative energy on? I mean, I think, I think if you're going, if you really, really are meant to create, you're going to create. I don't think that's something you can turn off. Um, I've seen people try to try to do that. And it just, you know, blows up years later and all of a sudden they're back to doing it. I, I really don't think that's all of a sudden they're stop. buying a convertible and having a midlife crisis. Yeah, ex <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, that's really fascinating. I like that. It, you, you, you can't turn that off. Uh, it's, it's, it's more a question of channeling it in a way that's, that's the most beneficial. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Tim, I want to finish with one of your songs. Uh, what song are we going to hear? Um, I would say fake. Fake. All right. Uh, Tim LeVan Miller, 
You can go to timlevanmiller.com to check out his stuff. He's got links to his music there, uh, his Twitter account. If you are in the Charleston area or the greater Charleston area, I'm not sure how far you you play. Um, Tim has live shows. Tim, uh, we will have your song fake and um, plan here as we conclude. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks for having me. You bet. Five years.